we're going through the sermon songs. All right. Um, we went through Isaiah 42 last week. Um, we are going to go through 49 this week. We've got four sermon songs we're going to go through. Um, just to give us a little, um, our direction is we're going to go through four sermon songs. Um, I'm thinking now that I'm going to do a week after that, possibly, um, to deal with uh, some stuff, um, sort of post-sermon songs. And Isaiah 55 through 66 relate to the Apostle Paul, but I don't know yet, which will take us another week to finish off through that. Then um, we're going to actually go through and look at um, atonement um, and what that means throughout all of Scripture. Um, so we're going to spend four or five weeks on that. Um, given because we're coming up to, um, I was going to say Christmas, Easter. <laughs> coming up to Easter, I thought that might be um, a really good subject to take a look at. And we will focus primarily what, is, what biblically is atonement, um, rather than so much trying to get stuck on We'll talk about, as you could say, maybe the doctrines or some of the theories, but I want to really take a look at the biblical evidence to really get at what is it, really answering the question, what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? And and look at that. Um, and be able to articulate that. I think the objective from my perspective is for you to be able to, and me, to be able to articulate that well when people ask. I remember, I was just thinking um, this week, that that was my sticking point that um, took me a long time to become a Christian. Um, I started going to Episcopal Church I was like 28, um, first time ever going to a church, started believing in God, and felt like, okay, I believe in this God, started reading the Bible, but I just really struggled with what the heck, who is this, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I just, I honestly did not get it, and I kept struggling with that, and then I took a class um, at the another church I went to which I then started going to and learned, um, did teaching and stuff there. Afterwards, um, Lost God's Christian. And it was there as we were going through Corinthians that finally it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> now I get this. Um, and so, um, anyway, it'll be interesting to go through, I think, and look. I mean, we're going through right now, anybody's with the Bible recap, we're, as a church, we're reading through all of the Bible. It's really interesting because in Leviticus, you just hear over and over again this word atonement, 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 you know, and, um, you know, what does that have to do with what Jesus did? So so we're going to spend some time on that. Um, so what I want to do tonight, though, is see if any of you, so we're, we went, we're, we're in 41 when we took our break. We started out in 42, going through the servant song, we'll review that very, very quickly last week, um, and then I had, I said, if you can, I want you to read Isaiah 43 through 48, because tonight we're going to hit the second servant song in 49, all right, so wondering if anybody did that, <laughs> and if you did, are there some things in 43 through 48, as we sort of jump, come up to 49, is there anything that sort of stuck out to you as you were reading through um, 43 through 48? <laughs> there we go. I, I read them. 
and I saw it was just a broken record. A bro- oh, that's a good way of putting it. Interesting. Yeah, a broken record. Over and over and over again, it's I'm God, I'm the only God, and you guys messed up. <laughs> and you create idols, and you think you can do these other things, but those idols don't do anything. Because they aren't God. There's only one God. I'm the God. Uh huh. And it just repeats that over and over and over again. Uh, yeah. But I mean. Yeah. It just it, it just says it different different words saying the same thing yeah. over and over again. That's one thing I was noticing. I was listening to Leviticus uh, because we're going through Leviticus right now. It's just interesting. I was, I've been listening to an audio. Those stuff I've been reading and listening to Leviticus and Adi, you just keep hearing over and over, I am the Lord your God. I, I am the everyone. Lord your God. I, did I am the Lord your God. <laughs> and and yeah. he says too, the proof is, I told you what's going to happen before it happened. Very good. Because your God's never told you anything's going to happen, but I told you what was going to happen and then I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you guys need to realize who I am. You know? yeah. And then uh, the other common theme is is that because you're my chosen people, I forgive you. Hmm. And I want to stay in relationship with you. And I want to keep this relationship going because it's special. But you guys quit messing up. Yeah. Because I have to keep redirecting you and re-educating you and refocusing you through my actions saving your butt. <laughs> <laughs> In the vernacular of today. Yeah, no, I think that's <laughs> pretty darn accurate. <laughs> yeah. Any, anyone else? Uh, one of the things that kind of struck me as I was reading uh, Isaiah 43, it goes on to say, Fear not, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east. And from the west, I will gather you. Where are you reading from? Uh, 43. Uh, 43.5. Okay. I'll bring your offspring from the east, and from the west, I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. And what hit me was like when Israel became a nation, he brought, you know, all these Israelites from all over the world mm-hmm. came and it became their state. You're talking about like in 1948? Like, like 1948. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I, it just kind of like, just, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. So, you know, it obviously happened earlier, but it, it made me think of 1948, uh-huh. where oh, Israel uh-huh. became a nation. Uh-huh. So I thought that was just kind of an yeah. interesting correlation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, What's interesting to me on that is it sets up, you just you stop just short. Keep going. Read seven. Everyone who calls, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Everyone, everyone. who is called by my name. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. One thing I found buried in there that wasn't initially obvious to me was uh, 43.10 and 
you are my witness, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. So he refers to Israel as their, his servant. Right. And there's no doubt in the pecking order there. <laughs> but uh, it's, it, it appeared several times over and over and over again that he referred to Israel as being servant to him. Right. And then it's reinforced, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed. Mm-hmm. So it's, and I, I think just the word servant says a lot about the relationship. And um, it appears to me they didn't want to be a servant. <laughs> right, which is really what our whole theme is yes. that we're having right now. It's this whole theme of servant. Yes. Which is why it's called the servant song. Mm-hmm. Which is why you're seeing exactly what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good. Jason, were you going to... I'll try to condense, but um, that right there, what that leads into, this that whole section, 4310 through um, uh, 13, to me, r- really speaks to Christ and what he's setting up there. And again, he can, it's that eternal sort of language that he's using, right? But this is, this is setting up, there's some really specific things in there that are interesting. Um, you're my witnesses, right? Let them bring their witnesses. You are my witnesses, mm-hmm. right? And, and what we just read there, everyone who's called by my name, Right? We are called to be the witnesses. This word is for us to witness the truth. Um, and my servant who I have chosen that you may know and, and why? So that you may know and believe me. Because none of this does anything if we don't truly believe. If we truly believe, then we are with God. Right? So, why the broken record? Because we're just that thick, right? <laughs> and understand that I am He. This, this whole I am thing, right? I am, I am He. Just mm-hmm. hammers that. What does Jesus say? Before me, no God was formed. This is what it's really cool. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. And where are you reading there? That's still the bottom of ten. Forty-three ten. Okay, gotcha. Nor shall there be any after me. Okay, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Who is Christ? Mm-hmm. Right? This speaks to Christ being God. Definitively. Mm-hmm. There's no one before or after me. There's no other Savior. I'm going to send you a Savior. Who is that Savior? Right? I am that Savior. <laughs> and, and exactly. Um declared and saved and proclaimed. When there was no strange God among you, you proclaim when there was no strange God among you. So, when does that speak to? Right? Prior to the corruption. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also, henceforth, I am He. That, it really does try to get his point across, doesn't it? But yeah. also, henceforth, 
I am he. So from this point forward, let it be clear. Mm-hmm. Right? So this, this, this language of Savior, the language of something going from this point forward, um, who can deliver from a hand I work and who can turn it back? Okay, so again, all that stuff is set forth. Other things that, you know, everything Eric said um, is, uh, is true. It's just, it's just over and over again driving that home. Um, there's a ton of prophetic stuff regarding Christ. 44 to me was just absolutely, and there's a lot of who, what, why. A lot of clarification. Who, what, why, who, what, why, who, what, why, over. How, also. Um, 44 was, I mean, I just can't, it's just was so chock full of all sorts of things. It was just crazy. And referencing the Jeshurun, who are the children of Jacob, the nation, the individual who make up the nation of Israel. Um, he's speaking of, I didn't know what that was, and so I d- dug into that, and there's a lot of reference to Deuteronomy and um, Matthew and all sorts of stuff. It was really kind of a cool little exploration. And then at some point here, he switches, and he's speaking of Satan. There's some really good definition of that in there, in 43, or 44, rather. And then um, he, in 44, 21, where the Lord is titled, The Lord Redeems Israel. Remember these things, O Jacob, and and the word and that's the first time I see this okay where it's usually O Jacob O Israel suddenly he switches to and Israel for you are my servant okay Mm -hmm. remember these things O Jacob and Israel for you are my servant I formed you you are my servant O Israel you will not be forgotten by me so O Israel you are my servant I formed you you are my servant Twice in a row. From that point forward, he really uses and Israel through the rest of these chapters. And it's fascinating. The little switches in here, and this is where he starts really getting into, you know, what's going to be coming up. There's a new thing happening. Um, Can I say something? What occurs to me, and it's kind of uh, the elephant in the room that nobody sees, is the way I look at it, is a lot of this is about not only who God is, but then he goes into who he is through forgiveness and blessing, which is a real big theme. What isn't said is when you follow him and you become a Christian, there's an obligation that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And the obligation of what it means to be forgiven and blessed what is the individual obligation then to honor that blessing and and the forgiveness and to act accordingly mm-hmm. and and that's what's not said but um, well in some ways it is said like we think yeah, because whenever you use true. the language my servant yes there's the obligation <laughs> Oh, it's, you are yeah, serving. But, you know, a lot God, of, if yeah. somebody called me a servant, first thing I do is rebel and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to serve And that's my pride coming out, you know. And so, um, 
I think only as you mature as a Christian do you begin to take that obligation really to heart and, and see that it has many aspects to our own personal behavior mm-hmm. as, as in walking the walk. Yeah. yeah. So, that's the whole thing of identity in here, right? That is, it is definitively. Oh, I'm a servant. Okay, no, it's you. You not only have to accept that calling. You're a witness. You're a servant. All the other things that God describes us as, but also the uh, you have to claim the name, mm-hmm. right? He calls you by name, but then you have to take that. And there's no way around it. If you don't accept that, then that is the ultimate responsibility. Jeff had mentioned a a wonderful quote by Dallas Willard uh, on Sunday that basically there's two different types of people, right? Yeah. And by accepting that, you're taking the red pill. Mm -hmm. You're stepping out of the false paradigm into reality. But that's a big, big, giant commitment. And a lot of people are in between the two. They try to. <laughs> they try to, but you can't be. You can't right? no. what is Jesus That's saying? my whole point, is until you really very profoundly see the obligation that goes with that, does your walk really become more important? Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's what is being fleshed out here so like incredibly thoroughly. Yeah. It's just, it, for, for most of us, Especially, it's just, it's difficult to read because it, that's what it's screaming, mm-hmm. right? It's screaming responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, I just want to be a kid, right? I don't really want to step into these Well, shapes. we've talked about it over again. It's, it's, it's saying you are, your allegiance can only be to one. Yeah. And you can't try to do both. You can't step a little bit in the world, step a little bit here. It's like light switch thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking about, I mean, before we did a little light switch, you know, that it's either on or it's off. There's no like, oh, well, no I dimmer. sort of want to do yeah. no There's no different switch. Different switch. <laughs> and, you know, that's really the focal point. Our fulcrum is being in the world but not of the world. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole trick. That's yeah. the trick. Because yeah. our pride says, I want to be in control of my life. I don't want you telling me what I can do and what I can't do because I'm weak and I'm a sinner and I have more fun sinning sometimes, you know. So to transition and walk the walk, um, that means I have to be a servant. So, Jeff, you were going to... I mean, I'm so enjoying this. um, That's why I didn't read ahead. (laughs) But, But, like, this beginning of 43 is like total anchor passage for me. And I was... The talking, beginning of 43. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I think, like, verse 2. Um, like, I, I was talking with somebody who's not a Christian, and he was just asking me a lot of questions, and I would say, no, I identify, I understand this. He was talking about difficulties and heartbreak in his life and all of these struggles kind of going wait, you have all these things too, so what's the difference then? What, like, what does God provide if you're going through all the same hard things? So he's I, asking you that? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So I just, I like always think of this, because I think, so if we think in terms of like this earthly world, you're going, okay, then if God blesses you, then you don't get stuck in the water, that you don't get stuck in the river, you don't have to go through the fire. 
right? And you're like, isn't that the blessing? You don't have to go through the fire. Yeah, it's you're a like, privilege. Oh no, you go through it. All these things you go through. But what's right? the difference? And he's going, but I'm with you. Yeah, there you you go. won't be overwhelmed. Right. Right. And I was going, that's like the hope is that, it, or, you know, that gets you through this or the faith maybe better that gets you through this is, I think there are times in my life where I think this is too much. And God says, it's not too much. You won't be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. I'm with you. You yeah. won't be overwhelmed. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's amazing how that gets you back on your feet. You know, just that little promise where he's going, I got you. Yeah. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is really hot. And he's like, you won't be consumed. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. And, and, Keep going. And, and then he gives proof. Then he harkens back to the past. Uh, yeah. And then he goes, at some point he says, but forget all that. Hmm. Now there's a new thing. Now there's a new thing. So yeah, yeah, I did all this. And there's always this element of like, mm-hmm. of this, this fantastic humor. Yeah, yeah, I did all this. But you don't know, forget about that. Now let's talk about something new. Well, it's yeah. there, he keeps saying, I, I did that to show you that I am this God, which means now as we're going forward with these new things, I'm, you're going to trust him. Precisely. And only him. Yeah, another thing that was cool is 48, uh, 16. It, it suddenly, um, 48, 16. 48, 16, yeah. So, 14 is like, is, is God speaking, right? Kind of setting up. So, 14, 15 is God speaking, setting up 16. 16 is Christ speaking, suddenly. And it's wild. So, and, G, and God says, assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on Babylon, and his arms shall be... Now, he, he's, this is also kind of doubling with uh, probably Cyrus to some degree, but it's a bigger. And his arms shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, spoken and have spoken and called him. I have brought him, and he will prosper in his way. Then suddenly, in 16, draw near to me, hear this, for the beginning, from the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. That's fascinating. And then this, in terms of like what you were just talking about, Jeff, like, for me, I'm like, okay, this is what you tell somebody, you know, why they want to be in this, in, in, the, in the kingdom. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Okay? That's enough for me. Cool. All right. Wonderful. Because I don't know which way to go. Oh, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Oh, darn it. (laughs) If only. All right, so I want to give other people, anybody else chances to sort of, anything else that anybody saw? If you're able to read that section. I just, I, I love that idea of how in all of it God is forming them, right? Mm-hmm. I just think 
so beautiful. Even in their mistakes and in these things, he's like finishing this work. And there's, it's, it's parental. They're being punished at times, but it's still like the love is so like right, constantly mm-hmm. reinforced. Mm-hmm. You know, where that comes to fruition is in your talk with the other guy, all these things that happen in our life. God, in fact, is perfecting us. Yes. And, goes, and, 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 and that perfection is through the trials and tribulations that ultimately we have to come back and pray to him mm-hmm. and find the way back. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that's what a father does for a son that he loves. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And no peace for the wicked. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And it teaches patience. Exactly. And endurance. Mm-hmm. And depending on your perspective, you can see the love. Because when you're going through it, you don't see the love. That afterwards, you can mm-hmm. see how God has really worked in your life to perfect. Right. right. And John, John the, the, it's funny, but he ends that this whole section with exactly that. Exactly. Just bam. Bam. Wow. Oh, by the way, there's no piece of but All right. Just it will be well with them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else would just sort of uh, once, find twice. All right. So let's go back to 42, which we were looking at last week. So page 224. Just as a very quick review from last week to sort of see where we're going. So. Last week, we talked about how 42, it starts out with, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. And we asked the question last week, who is my servant in this context? Okay. So when we first just read that at the very beginning, we think, my servant, who is God talking to? Who is he talking to? Who is a servant in that context? This is where we start seeing some transitions going on here. Um, as to this idea of who is the servant, who is my servant. So what did we say last week with 42? Who did we say just when we originally read that, my servant, we think context, and where did we go back to to say who is my servant? Remember? Cyrus. Well, yeah, but before Cyrus, I started looking forward. Cyrus isn't here yet. 41.8. Very good, Tom. So... If you look in 41.8, okay, so um, you see this is the first time when we did this before we took our break for um, two months, whatever it was. We were looking at 41.8 where very clearly Israel is my servant, okay? So the nation of Israel is God's servant at this point, okay? But what we have is we now start seeing this tension that we're going to start seeing happen, which is... That God has called Israel to be my servant, all right? But this Israel who is called to be my servant is not being, as we're all talking about here, is not being my servant, all right? And so what we talked about, so in 42 last week, we start seeing this tension that that's not happening. And so in 42, we see... um, we see this idea that, okay, well, it's still say, behold my servant there. So Israel's in view. But then as we're trying to read this, I put my spirit upon him. 
Then we talked last week about how this leader is going to lead in a very, very different way than what they expect. All right, so that sort of was a subject last week, and we looked at how very possibly this is in 42 that we are going to see in 44, 45, all of a sudden it comes into view that God is using someone else as sort of a temporary servant Mm -hmm. because Israel is not being that servant. And so God calls Cyrus, all right, who is the king of Persia, who is not even a Jew, (laughs) and says, we're going to, I'm going to use him to bring about this deliverance so you can come back to your homeland. Okay, and so we talked about that last week, and we talked about how Cyrus was, and we watched a little video about how there's even a, they found in 18, what was it, 1895 or something like that, they found this little, this um, Cyrus um, cylinder, cylinder, thank you, <laughs> the Cyrus cylinder that actually had on it um, the writing of Cyrus and his decrees and how different those decrees were versus how people led during the time. So Cyrus sort of fulfills a little bit this servant that Israel's not, and leads in a way of saying, "We're going to let everybody have their own religion. We're going to let every. We're going to let you return to your homeland. We're going to let you go practice and do whatever you want to do." That was a benevolent leader that was very unusual. Yeah, very. But in a part, it started to fulfill a little bit about what we talked about in Isaiah forty-two three about this leading in a different way where you're actually caring for people and you're benevolent as a leader, all right? So we looked at that last week, and we see this tension that's starting to build. But what happens is, is in 42, if you notice, when we say, well, who is that servant and what's that servant doing? If that servant is Israel, if you turn to 42.18, you hear the problem. And this is this constant we've just been talking about. This constant judgment where is where God says, I am your God, I am your Lord, you are my servant, and then what do we hear? But you are not what? Hearing. Over and over and over again throughout all the scriptures, all the way back from Isaiah six, nine through ten. You're deaf, you're dumb, you're ignorant, you don't understand what I'm saying. You're not hearing me. You know, so hear you, hear you deaf, and look you blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant? So you see the judgment coming upon Israel, saying you're not being who I've called you to be. All right. And so you start seeing this trend as we're going through Isaiah. You start seeing this trend of where Israel's not being that servant. So God's going to... The nation of Israel is not being that servant. God's going to start doing something different. Okay. So last week we ended, we went through 42 and saw that first servant song. Now, what we didn't do, and I want to just pick up here before we go to 49. So we're going to start seeing how Jesus is obviously the fulfillment. You keep bringing this up over and over again, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is going to, is we know ultimately because we can see way ahead, the new things God's going to do, that he is going to be shown to be the servant of these servant songs that Israel's not. Okay, Jesus is going to take upon that role of being that servant. Does anybody know 
where Isaiah 42 is shown to be that Jesus is shown that Jesus is the servant that's talked about in Isaiah 42. Did I say that correctly? Does anybody know where in the New Testament it is very explicit that Christ is shown to be this servant in Isaiah 42? Matthew 12, 20. Very good. This is what's great about technology, right? Just off the top of my head. Come on. Okay. So How did you do that? That was a sixty-four thousand dollars. <laughs> no, they're going to have a flash on the front for all cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> Google. <laughs> all right. So okay. So where where did you say the Matthew twelve twenty? Okay. So I want you guys to turn in to Matthew twelve twenty. Is this part of what we want to do? Is we're going through these servants and start seeing how. We do find out that this new thing God's going to do is ultimately going to be in Christ. Although it even goes past that, which we'll find out. So Matthew, what you say? 12. 12. Okay. All right. Um, well, you know, maybe starting 15. Yep. Or 18. Yeah. Yeah. So... Let's take a look at what's happening. So we're in Matthew. We obviously went about halfway through Matthew. Jesus is on his mission. You know, he's starting to going through in Matthew. And here we have in Matthew twelve fifteen. Once you notice what happens, just from out of nowhere, okay, you have this thing where it says in Matthew. So Jesus had just um, healed on the Sabbath. Oh. <gasps> Okay, like, yeah, that got everybody really upset, okay? You don't do that on the Sabbath, but Jesus does. goes back, I, I think about, um, Jeff, your book, that you showed me today. When Jesus heals on the Sabbath, it sort of reminds me of that book title. About yeah, how, kindness. yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Kindness is more important than the rules. rules. <laughs> All right? Mm-hmm. Um, so look at 15, Matthew twelve fifteen. it says, Jesus, aware of this, okay, was he aware of? Well, the, before they um, stretch out your hand on the Sabbath, the man stretched out it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Okay, so you see this tension building in the ministry of Jesus. It's like the Pharisees, now they're looking at him saying, you know, you're definitely not the Messiah, and you know you're breaking the law, and you just see that tension starting to build. So then it says in 15, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. So he obviously sees that tension. It's not his time to go to the cross yet, right? So he withdrew from there. That's what it says, and many followed him. And I love this. Many followed him, and he healed how many? Them all. Them all. And ordered them not to make him known. Yeah, you know, it's like don't tell anyone. Yeah, I mean, what? You know, they didn't. They didn't have you know TikTok and Instagram and you know Pete with his phone over there doing cross references. <laughs> they didn't have that back then, right? But word got around, 
And just so you know, in Israel, I mean, it's a very small country. So actually, word does get around really quick. So, and many followed him. They didn't make him known. And then it, listen to what it says then. This thing that Jesus is doing, it says this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So now we see the link directly. That Jesus' ministry is directly linked to this servant song in Isaiah 42. And look what it says. It's just, I mean, right there you've got a quote. All right, so this is taking us all the way back to, I think it's really the beginning of 42, right? I think it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's taking and really quoting. This quote here, I won't read the whole thing. This quote is the longest quote of, at least in Matthew, the longest quote of a sermon song or of Jesus quoting of who he is, I think throughout all of Matthew at least, if not maybe the rest of the Gospels. So, you know, a lot of times you just get a portion of, of a quote. Here, you have like half of Isaiah 42 being quoted here to get across the point. All right. And this verb, this um, language, has anybody ever studied Matthew? This whole idea of this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah? Does anybody know sort of how Matthew is structured? Or the, th- the theme of what Matthew was trying to get across when he wrote his gospel? He was writing to the Jews. Right. Uh, what's he trying to tell the Jews? Jesus is king. Hmm? King? Or, yeah. What would you say? I was going to say king. But... King? Yeah. Yeah, what were you saying? Messiah. Messiah. But yeah. how is Matthew, what is Matthew doing to try to tell his readers that this is it? He's bringing in the Old Testament to prove yes. his point. Yes, exactly. And when he does that, what does he say? How does Matthew make that point? Because he does it over and over and over again. What does he say? Fulfilling prophecies. This this was done or this was said to fulfill this particular Exactly. Yeah. So you see this thing in Matthew that starts all the way back at 122 in Matthew, where there's this, this like, I've written this to show you that Jesus is, I mean, the purpose of Matthew is to show you that all these things Jesus is doing is to fulfill all these things that the Old Testament said. Right. And so he uses this language over and over again. This was to fulfill what was written. This was to fulfill. This was to fulfill. Okay. He just hits over and over and over again. It starts in Matthew 1.22, where it says, the very first time, um, where, yeah, this is about the birth of Jesus. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. She will bear a son. You should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place the very first time, Matthew 1.22. Matthew 1.22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. All right, and so you just see this constant theme throughout Matthew. This is Jesus. This is why he's here. He is the one that you guys were reading about back in the Old Testament. So... Yeah. Now, <laughs> question for you: that in, Would would this have been um, inflammatory to the Jews in terms of uh, his his directness about the Gentiles? Whereas in Isaiah, and you know what it 
now, right, you read it and you know what it's saying, but were the Jews convinced that nations, coastlands, earth was referring to Gentiles? They knew it was referring to Gentiles, yes. Okay. So, okay. at fact, we're going to go there in 49 right now. Okay. okay, because in 49, you get that language, yeah. Hmm. Um, is it goim? I mean, there's a Hebrew word, what's it? Goim. Goim, goim. Yeah, goim. Um, which is a word nation in Hebrew, all right? And so, the irony is that Israel keeps hearing all the way back when. Genesis. So we from Genesis, yeah. Right. We're in Genesis. Uh, Abrahamic covenant. Exactly. Yeah. Abrahamic covenant. So all the way before the entire, I mean, Israel knows, they're reading this scripture saying, we are to be a blessing to all the nations, and yet what do they do? They just keep constantly closing in, you know, and saying, <laughs> we're special. Yeah. You know, all you guys are sinners. Okay. Um, God bring judgment down on them. I mean, you even see that. You see that with Jesus' ministry when he's taking his disciples after teaching them all these years. He takes them through Samaria, and what do they do? They say, "Bring down thunder and lightning on these people. Destroy them." And Jesus is like, "No." So you do. You see, this is part of what Israel is being judged for back in Isaiah's time. They are not being what they were called to be all the way back in the Abrahamic covenant, which is to be a light. We're reading in First John. Be a light to the world. Be a light to the nations. Yeah. Um, I think it's in Colossians. Um, what I remember reading is that <coughs> when Jesus arrives, the, the law was the supreme mastery of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, Pharisees' position of power and authority. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus arrives, the early Christians then are pushing against the law because now it's forget the law, we're forgiven, and we don't have to pay the price of the law, and we're no longer under the, the hammer of the law that we're free. And so the early church then was considered to be rebellious and against the rest of society that was hammered that the law is the law and you right. can't you can't push against this. So that's a kind of a societal transition that all had to happen to break free of the oppression of the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, which is what Galatians is all when we went to Galatians, this was the whole subject, right? Yeah. Because you're no longer under the law. Which to a Jew again is just blasphemy. Yes, <laughs> because because the law and to the Jews, rightfully, the law is not like what we think of law, like how you drive down, you know, PCH and follow the speed limit. The law is Torah, which means the teaching and instructions of God. Yes, it's a positive thing. You don't it's violate like, this. It's like God has done this for us. Our obligation is to is to you know to to obey these laws. Because God has done all these things for us. And He's telling us how to live our lives. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's hard to flip the coin to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, just tie uh-huh. a little point that's not worth much, but uh, to the idea of nations being Gentiles. Um, I know this from my Jewish friends that they will refer to Gentiles as goy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just a slang term for non-Jew, right? Uh-huh. But you go, 
I mean, it's there pretty explicitly in the text, <laughs> even though it's like a little bit what's, buried what's in the there translation. Well, the nations, uh-huh. yeah. right? And getting so literally translated as Gentile in the Greek was still there in the Hebrew. Yeah. Right? And it's, right. yeah. So I mean, it would have been super controversial, right? That would have like been stretching that idea already back then. It's not like... It's sort of a mystery that it goes to the Gentiles and yet the same thing like it's all over the place. It's all over the place. Yeah. And and remember I mean, part of what the Jews just had a huge problem with back in this time was God's calling the king of Persia right. and being called my servant and, and being called a shepherd like David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. You know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, or no way. Schmier. Right. <laughs> okay, so let's go to 49. And again, this goes perfectly along with our discussion. Because you can see in 49, now this is the second servant song. And just listen. You, you guys just, I mean, beautiful transition here. <laughs> because in 49, this is exactly how it opens up. So look at 49, page 270, and look what it says. It starts out by saying, listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. So right there, who's he talking to? Us. The Goyim. The Goyim, exactly. Remember we said coastlands a long time ago, coastlands meant all the things away from Israel. I mean, it's just every, it's pretty much like the whole world. Like saying today, the whole world. Alright? So, listen to me, O coastlands. Give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called, and then you you hear this, and it's like, the Lord called me from the womb. Like, who's he talking about? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, from the body of my mother, he named my name. So right there you go, like, okay, God's calling someone. This is almost like a commission of this servant. Who is this servant? Okay, and now you start getting a little description about who that servant is. And it says, and now I want you to think of last week, for those of you who are here, listen to the words. He made my mouth. Like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hands he hid me. He made me a polished arrow, in his quiver he hid me away. So look at verse 2. How is this one who's being called going to lead? What is the sword? What is the weapon, if you want to call it that? What is, how is this person going to lead? Is he going to lead by military warfare? No. By the word of God. By the word of God, exactly. All right. So you see here, remember how last week we were talking about, you know, the bruised reed and how this leader is going to lead? Now you're, in which we now find out Jesus. Now here, you're finding out how is this leader going to lead? The sharp sword is the words that come from his mouth. Which is the truth. It's going to be by the powers, the word of God. Right. Reminds me of uh, Revelation yeah. one sixteen. Very his good. And he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. And then also uh, yeah, Revelation 19.15. Mm-hmm. 
which is coming out of his mouth is a sharp sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Yeah. And there's a ton in Isaiah just of sword references and, and... Yeah. yeah, and again, think though the weapon here, or the, the way the ruling is going to happen is through the Word of God. So you guys should be thinking of another reference here. What other reference? He just said one of them. See, you're doing, thinking that they're 416. <laughs> but there's one you should be thinking of when you think the Word and you think sword. Mm-hmm. What other reference are we thinking about? The uh, armor of God. Okay, well, those are the armor. Well, that's good. Yep, the armor of God, Ephesians. Um, the sword of the Spirit, which is... The Word of God. The Word of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Isaiah 66, 16. Well, I think New Testament. What else? Where else do we see in the New Testament... A sword coming out of someone's mouth? No, well, you got that. <laughs> you got that in Revelation. But where else do we see about the... What? The, the what? sword, about sword, word. It's everywhere. I know, where? <laughs> dividing, yeah. dividing the, the Let, soul okay. of the marrow. Yes, yeah. where is that? Let me ask Google real quick. Timothy. Huh? First Timothy. Let me ask the enemy. Exactly. He knows the Bible really well. Hey, Google. <laughs> Hebrews. Hebrews. <laughs> the word of God is... Living and active. Hebrews 4.12. Yeah. Do you have that right there? You want to read that? I won't turn to that. The word God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even, dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So you see again that power of that, of the word. Okay. Uh, Then he says, and he said to me, now, so here, again, it's like God's calling this servant, and he calls him my servant, and he said to me, you are my servant. And notice he uses, you are my servant Israel. Mm-hmm. All right. So you can have, I mean, here you see, and this goes to the thing you said about Jacob. One thing we're going to see now is that we're going to start losing the Jacob language. We're going to just see Israel. Okay, so here we are not said, it doesn't say calling my servant Jacob Israel. It's now just saying Israel. And so the servant, when you hear the word Israel, there's all these things you can imagine. And one of them is ultimately Jesus is, represents Israel. Jesus is the king of Israel. Yeah. He is Israel. As it turns out. Right. Okay. So you are my servant Israel, and who I am glorified. Look at verse four. But what what's going to happen? What do you? How do you think of this as being Jesus? When you guys read four, but I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my reward or recompense is with God. How does that remind you of Jesus? Does it? He came into his own and his own received him not. Yeah, very good. All right. So you see, here comes Jesus and 
all the prophecies even around him and everything, and then what's his own people don't receive him. He's being rejected by his own, his fair, the Pharisees, the leaders, etc. Right? Ultimately, leading him to the cross. But to as many as who do receive him, <laughs> they will be called. We saw called sons, sons of God. God. Sons of God, right? Sons yeah. of God. Yeah. Exactly. Actually, yeah. <clears throat> um. All right, and this is, and now the Lord says, "He who formed me from the womb to be His servant." So listen to what's the mission of the servant going to be? To do what? To bring Jacob back to him. Yeah. And? That Israel might be gathered to him. Yeah. So now you sort of get this idea that this servant is separate from Israel, as far as the people of Israel, and he's being called to be the one who brings them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But were they ever with God? When you say bring it back, well, were they, they ever? Well, yeah. They were called when they, I mean, for three days, before three days happened, that when they were caught out of Egypt, <laughs> within three days, they already started grumble saying, yeah. who has served me? But yeah, they were called by God to be that. Sure, they were called. But yeah. did they ever respond say, to the call? Yeah, yeah I think they, they did. Left. Yeah. Would you say they left? They left. They left. Right, right. But then they wanted to go back. (laughs) Well, yeah. There's two sides to this. There's Israel's side, where they don't want to be anointed because they're going their own way. And they're not given a choice to become unanointed Mm -hmm. because they are the anointed one and that's it. It's their resistance to receiving the anointment. Mm-hmm. But they're never given the total option of exiting. They are the designated and anointed one. Yeah. And the rebellious spirit is is really what perfects them. Yeah. And it actually, I think. Well, I had a. Uh, I was texting with um, Taffy today. Okay. She had asked me about um, the circumcision and who was a circumcised decision. We had a little discussion around that. So. You go back, I mean, so you said, were they ever? Okay. What's interesting is in Romans, you know, what Paul's saying in Romans, he he says, look, now is going to be the time of the Gentiles, but that doesn't mean Israel is gone. We talked about this last week, right, with the whole um, replacement replacement theology, okay? So in, in in Paul is saying, you know, this olive tree... This is Israel, and you Gentiles, all of us, you better be careful because the reason why this is happening is right now Israel has, you know, for a time, for a time, you know, turned away from God, right? Mm-hmm. And for that time, you Gentiles are the wild olive branch, and you're being grafted into this base olive tree, which is Israel, Okay. Be careful, he says in Romans, great passage. Be careful you don't become arrogant and become like Israel that got fallen away. And he makes it very explicit because this is for a time. And when that time is fulfilled, then everybody will, that whole Israel will come back. Okay. Whatever that looks like. I mean, everyone has like their reason. I just about that. 
sure it's going to look very different than we all expect, but he's going to come back. So, so yes, I mean, in a sense, yeah, there's chosen ones. There's, we don't know who all that is and stuff, but I mean, we, there's a very clear idea that Israel is going to be, come back and we're all going to be one at the end of everything. One people of God, I guess is the way to put it. Um, Greg, do you ever think of uh, Daniel's prophecy in the in the 77s when when you think of Israel and the time of the Gentiles, like those being separate? So in Daniel chapter yeah, nine, it yeah. says there's there's 69 seven year periods until Messiah, and then he will be cut off, right? And then um, and then after that, there's a seven year period. There's another seven year period for Israel, like appointed to Israel to come. Back? Yes, um, but it also lines up with the Great Tribulation, so it's divided in like a three and a half, three and a half year period, mm-hmm. aligning with the Great Tribulation. But that is that that seven year period is still for Israel, and then mm-hmm. Israel will eventually turn and recognize the Messiah. Yeah, as I don't know way how that all plays out. Yeah, yeah and of course yeah. there's like no, the I know in Daniel you have all that those prophecies. 144,000 yeah. right. in Revelation right. from each of the 12,000 right. from each of the 12 tribes, and which is how you arrive at 144,000. And most people think that number is yeah. representative of everything, right? So it's not it's a number that how do they have to get exactly how it all happens. Those 12 times 12 nations times 12 times Anyway, it's a number of means yeah. the complete people of, you know, the, the completeness of everything. Um, yeah. How that all plays out. I know, there's a lot of... What, did you go through Daniel? Uh-huh. Yeah, you went through Daniel. But the guys... There's a lot of different theories. Yeah, there's a lot of different... There's a lot of different math there. <laughs> I know. made a meditation because you have so for, many numbers. For 70 weeks? Yeah. Okay. Some people, I'll love to talk to you about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's super interesting. <laughs> It is. It's fascinating mm-hmm. to go through. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one thing I also learned. It was interesting when I was at Fuller. One of the classes was about eschatology and looking at all that stuff. And it's like, wow. It makes your head spin. But the mm-hmm. other thing that it does is it's good because you can see how there's only there's these verses and there's not a whole lot. And people are uh, people are taking these things and going, wow, there's all these different ways we can... You can read it and you go, well, could, that could be, oh, that could be, oh, yeah, it could be like that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Some, some of it we'll seems clear, some of it's like, like I don't know. Like right. it, yeah, yeah, it could be right. a lot of different things. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the last yeah. prophecy there is like so specific. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest one to just trace through. Mm-hmm. And that would work. Yeah. But some of the other ones, yeah. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, some other time. I love it. Um, so, oh yeah, what I wanted to, so notice here in verse 5, it says to bring, so this job of the servant, which we know is Jesus, is to bring Jacob back to him, mm-hmm. and that Israel might be gathered to him. So this focus of this servant, one of his focuses is to bring back Israel, to bring back the people of God. Can you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, about his mission when he was here, he said, who is this mission to? To the Jews first. That's right. Exactly. 
Okay. So Jesus actually said, this is in, yeah, Matthew 15, is where Jesus actually says, I've come first. My, my mission is for Israel. I mean, his original mission coming here was to try to bring Israel back to him. All right. And sometimes we think he failed maybe at that. We'll call it failed. But you gotta remember the first church by like 100 AD, the vast majority of, for a, a period of time, the vast majority of what we today would call the church that believed that Jesus was Messiah were Jews. Alright. So, there were a lot of Jews who did believe Jesus was the Messiah. Alright. There's a lot who didn't. But there were who, I mean, the, the church started with a bunch of Jews doing that, and then Paul obviously starts going out to all the different nations. But even when Paul's going out, notice where Paul goes when it, it acts. Where does, exactly. Where does Paul first go to? He first goes and preaches in the synagogues. All right. And so it's just interesting. You sort of watch this trend take place. So it wasn't like, oh, there's no Jews who didn't believe. That's how the first church was formed. We're through Jews who did believe that this is Jesus who was the Messiah. Um, so in this sense, he did fulfill that. He called his people back and said, I am, I am the Messiah. But, but clearly, based on what we just read, Maybe he did. He, well, no, just at that. <laughs> it's really weird reading something that is way before it ever happened, yet it's <laughs> speaking of it in past tense, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. exactly what we're doing. Right. We're like, this is better than Back to the Future movie. We That's need right. Back to the Future movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody got this. So right? whatever happened to the Pharisees and Sadducees? Whatever happened to them? Yeah. Well, I think most of them are dead by now. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> but, I mean, somehow they had to be gradually displaced in their power and authority. Yeah. Well, and they were all not too happy in 78. No, they were not. Yeah, 78 AD sort of got everyone pretty pissed off. All right. Um, because the temple got destroyed. Everything where all their power was at and where everything happened and what they controlled, not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so it continues on, For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. And then he says, It is too light a thing that you should be called my servant. So let's, yeah, try to listen to this whole section right here. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be called my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. So we know this is the mission of Jesus, is ultimately to bring back Israel. But now you hear this servant has something greater to do. And as you guys were saying, this is in the scriptures. What is that thing for him to do? Be the light. Exactly. To who? The nations. The nations. There's a going, going, going. There's the word. The whole world. There it is again. All right? So right now, here again, right in the Israel scriptures, this servant, which if Israel reads it's supposed to be them, they were ultimately supposed to be the light to the nations. Now God's calling this someone else to say, yeah, I'm going to call you back to be my people, but I'm not just stopping there. 
I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach where? The end of the earth. To the end of the earth. Now, yeah. note again there, he says, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. Right, right. And those are somewhat parallel a lot of times. I mean, he uses that. There's I don't, a, I don't, I see it. But tribes of Jacob is, is what? Tribes of, the tribes of Jacob, see, the way I'm reading through this whole thing, Israel, and he, and he transitions to make it more and more clear, but, from the beginning, Israel is everyone that receives the call. Everyone. Jew, Gentile, whatever. That's the whole deal. Jacob. Well, when you say, hold on. So when you say Israel is everyone, what do you mean by that? Everyone that receives, that takes the name thereof. Everyone that receives the call that God gives. But which, where, where, in, where in time do you speak of? Eternity. All time. Always. Well, but always. Always. It goes all the way back to Genesis. It speaks to it. So you, you, again, oh, we just read through that section that we just read through, 42 through 48. It speaks to um, not in, not in truth or righteousness. They claim the identity with the city of Israel. Are you talking about Zion? Are you talking about? He, yeah, when, anyway, yeah. I'll find it, but whatever the case. Okay. Point being that that's the one definitive place where he's like, no, 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 that's not the identity of an Israel, as far as I'm concerned. So, and this says it too, uh, to raise up the tribes of Jacob. Right. Okay? Those are the original Tribe-ish. people. Those right. are the ones of the covenant, right? <coughs> right. And the preserved of Israel. That's that remnant of all humanity that hears and answers. So I want to say yes on one hand. I think it also depends because you are, you're, it depends on when you're talking about in time. So I think on one hand you're right that Israel, which is, goes back all, I mean, goes all the way forward to Galatians when Paul says of Israel at the very end of Galatians. So there is this, like, we're all ultimately going to become one people. Yeah, but, right, it, but what, what's being made clear <laughs> to me is, is that is from the beginning. This is the way we know how to identify ourselves. Is that. Are you or are you not? Of uh, Israel. That's right. And if you are of Israel, who's who's God's servant? Israel. Right. I'll say it again. My servant. Israel. And I'll say it again. <laughs> and again. Right. So are you my servant? Then you know who you are. Yeah, got you. Okay. All right. Um so <clears throat> I want us to think for a moment what what we're seeing happen here. So again, we've got this idea of Israel, okay, as a nation. This nation of Israel, the people called by Israel, are not fulfilling their mission. Okay. So what ends up happening? God's going to send. So they are my servant. 
They're not fulfilling what they're supposed to do. So God is now talking about sending a what? A another servant. All right. But you see how you're going from a nation of all these people who are not fulfilling their purpose, and and God saying, "Okay, well now I'm going to do it through what? A person." My son. Yeah, my son. Okay. Which? Yeah. Okay. So. The parable. Yeah. So I want you guys to think. That's, there's probably anybody wonder why this is here? <laughs> because I love it. I took it from Jeff's office, and I'm hoping he's going to give it to me. I <laughs> My daughter um, gave it to me for Christmas. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I'll wait a little bit Sorry, before man. I give that. That's like so, so to make sure we get out of here in time, I'm going to now say I have. I have that amount of time left to finish what we're going to do. Okay. Which is equivalent to what minutes? It what? How many minutes is that? Uh, 15. 15. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like to the grave. Is it? Yeah. Is it's pretty it? sure. <laughs> <laughs> Did your daughter give you that? Because you're always like, I'll be back in 15 minutes. 45 minutes later. Like, All right. So I want you to think that what we're seeing here is like an hour class. Okay, in fact, what you're seeing in the plan of God here is very much just exactly what you're seeing with this. All right, because you notice what happens. You have all these here, all right, and you notice what happens is it goes down, okay, to very, very tiny, and then it goes back out again, okay? If you think about God's plan here we're looking at, this is very much reflected in what you see with an hourglass. Okay? Uh-huh. All right, because... Who is the restriction where God's patience wears out? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. But I want you to think that what you what we started with, okay, so what we started with, if going back review, we started with Isaiah 41, where God says, Israel as a whole nation is my servant. So that's like up here, okay? The whole nation of Israel is God's servant. But they're not fulfilling that, all right? And so what ends up happening is because they cannot fulfill that, God is going to now get down to a place where he's going to call one person to be his servant. He's going to get to right there. Okay, Right now, there's only one piece of grain coming out each time. Not really, but let's just assume that, okay? Time-wise, we're going to get down to this one point. Okay, And this one point is who? It's going to become Jesus. All right? So if you have your Bibles, take a look at Luke. Let's show you an example of that. So take a look. So notice in Isaiah 41, this is what I want you to notice. This is Isaiah 49. This phrase, I will make you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Whose role was that given to? Whose job was that given to? To Abraham. For all the nations. Whose was I given to? To Israel as a nation. They were the ones who were to be the light to all the nations. Everyone follow me? They didn't fulfill that. All right? And so ultimately that's what we have in this whole story of scripture is they did not fulfill that. So if you take a now look at Luke 2.32. Once you watch, this is what sort of needs to go with what God does. Um, if you take a look at Luke 2.32, 
this is when ultimately, okay, this is, you know, when Jesus is born, all right? And look what happens. I'm going to go up to, um, I don't know. You can see that um, Simeon gets this idea of this man. Look at 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem, so this is 225, whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, or Lord's Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child of Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, and took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Okay, what is that a quote on? Verse 32. Mm-hmm. That is a quote from Isaiah 49.8. Okay, mm-hmm. sounds a little different because of um, the Septuagint and stuff, but that's, that's what's being quoted there, a light for the revelation. So right here in Jesus' birth, you're seeing right there, Jesus is being declared as you, now here, you are the one who is going to bring the light to the nations. Okay? Everyone follow me? All right. Yeah? You read what it says, right? What do you mean you read what it says? You read what he says there, right? What? And for glory to your people, Israel. Right, right. Versus end of the earth. Yeah, well, and you see, this I know, and this is where you get tension, okay? But anyway, it's quoting that, all right? So it's back to what you just said. Is it tension? <laughs> right, to all of Israel, all right? So, Jesus then, so, so we have that. Now, what I want you to take a look at is I want you to turn to Acts. In fact, don't turn to Acts. Okay, sorry. I'm going to tell you not to turn to Acts. Okay, because I want you guys to just hear this. So Jesus has died, obviously resurrected. And I want you to listen to what happens now. Okay? So this is an Acts. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, all right, is... Going out, and he's obviously going out and spreading the word as to what's happening. All right. So I want you guys to just listen. I'm going to read this to you. All right. And I'm, you're going to, I'm going to test you as you go through here. All right. Ready? Hurry up before the sand runs out. What? I know exactly. <laughs> so it says now Paul. So this is Acts 12. But again, don't look. No one looking at anything. Now Paul and his companions sent sail for Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on to Perga and came to Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue. synagogue. Very good. To sat and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. All right. So Paul stood up. I'm going to stand up. 
Oh, that hurt. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, who are those who fear God? So, and there you go, okay? Men of Israel, and you who fear God. Those are the ones who are Gentiles in the, in the synagogue. Okay, they're people who have taken Jesus and say he's the Messiah. They're called God-fearers, all right? So it says you, so fear God. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. I love that. <laughs> he put up with them in the wilderness, okay? How'd you like God to say that about you? I, I put up with you, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> I put up with you, Greg. I put up with you, Charlie. I mean, all right. Until the whole generation died years. off. Yeah. And, fortunately, he does. Huh? Fortunately, he does. Yeah, fortunately, he does put up with us, right? Yeah. yeah, so that's why we're called to put up with others. <laughs> Is that all right? So it says, and after destroying some nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, he gave them what? Until Samuel the prophet. So what does Judges? Excellent. Okay. So after that, he gave them the judges. You can listen to this entire, this is just a great way if you ever want to like, this is the whole story of God being presented well, by Paul. the judges came from their complaints. Well, yeah. So after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king. And God gave them Saul, Saul the son of Kish, a man from the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David, David, very good, to be their king, of whom he testified, and said, I have found in David the son of Who is David the son of? Jesse. 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 Good, good. All right. Very good. I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, Jesus, as he promised before his coming. Before his coming, who is it that proclaimed Jesus at the baptism of repentance? Who was that? Before, before his coming of Jesus, John. Very good. Before his coming, John had proclaimed the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us who has been sent the message of the salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which we're reading now, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning them to death, by condemning him to death. And though they found him not guilty and not worthy of death, they asked who to have him executed? Pilate. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, laid him in the tomb. 
But God raised him from the dead, and as many days he appeared to those who had come with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this has been fulfilled to us and their children, by raising Jesus also as it is written in the second psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Now we sit down. <laughs> Alright, so he continues on. Alright, I'm going to skip a little bit. And it says, the next Sabbath, so what ends up happening is they, they, he preaches all this, then he, Paul goes away. The people beg that Paul comes back for the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue, after this next one broke up, many Jews and devout converts to, to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost a whole city gathered. So you can just imagine, like, they had this first Sabbath. He tells this entire story about who Jesus is. Then he goes away, and the next week, they come back from Sabbath, and guess who follows? The whole city. city. All right. And where are we? What kind of city are we in? We're in a city where these are not Jews coming in. These are Gentiles now coming, okay, to listen to this message. All right. So, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. (laughs) Interesting. So, the whole town comes and wants to hear about this Jesus. Right. And what's the response? They're jealous. And begin to contradict what was spoken by Paul. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, Mm -hmm. which is Israel. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, Mm -hmm. Buzz couldn't be a little stony, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Okay, can you imagine Paul saying this, <laughs> the synagogue, with these Jews there, saying, God's now coming for who? Not just the Jews anymore, he's coming for the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, and what does Paul quote? Isaiah 49. Mm-hmm. He says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So what you're seeing here is that this Israel that's supposed to happen here, you get down to here to one Jesus. He dies to bring that message to all the Gentiles. And and who are now supposed to be the servants of God? No longer just the nation of Israel. But now, from Jesus, it goes out, and you see Paul going out and preaching this, and you actually see the fulfillment of now where the Gentiles, now it's not one servant of Jesus, is now going to have his servants who are, he's now going to have all of his servants who are going to follow him, which is like Paul. All right, and now you're going to have the whole world be his servant, all those who believe in his name. And that's what he's saying here. He's using now Isaiah 49 to say, it is now going to be all the world who my message goes out to, who is now going to become my servants. Which is the way it should be. Which is the way it should be. Absolutely. Which is exactly why we all are here tonight, Tuesday night. Yes. We are here today. Think of that. You are all here today as a fulfillment of Isaiah 49. Right on. 
What, that, I mean, yeah. That language that he uses there, though. Yeah. He uses the language that, that says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Prior to that, yeah, in his a, address to the, the church The way he says, I thrust you aside. Behold. Uh-huh. He's speaking. He's not just going, well, you know what? Forget you guys. I'm going to go to the... He's, he's speaking with this... Like the word of insane. God. Yes, he's speaking for God. Like that was, they probably blew their minds. Yep. that is incredible. Behold, yeah. this I'm speaking for God. Yeah, exactly. But and, and you guys are out. Yeah, and it's also the divine promise to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what we're the fulfillment of. Right. Well, is and now all this right. is now exactly what ultimately was the plan was right. the whole earth. Is blessed through Abraham. Abraham. Yeah. I just was thinking, Greg, with Simeon when he quotes it, he's the light is there, but like the sad part is that that was their glory. It was Israel's glory going to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you just go, and oh, that's like that the they jealousy. Didn't, they, didn't, they didn't live that life. No, so the light continues on, right? But you go, all oh, the glory was missed. It, it was, it was yeah. God's glory. Right, yeah. but through them, yes, right? like exactly. Go, right. That the beauty of them responding graciously to the Gentiles would have been their glory, fulfilling their role in right. creation. Yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. yeah. And how jealousy like robs them of glory, right. and they never back down from that position. Mm. This is a ridiculous part of it. Mm. It's almost like they were blind. So I'm going to leave you guys with this, and then we're going to go. I'm going to leave you with this because Paul then takes us a whole another step further. Because in 2 Corinthians 5 and 6, Paul, the famous passage we all know about, where it talks about how for the love of Christ controls me because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And then Paul says, from now on, therefore, we regard no, no one according to the flesh, even though once we regard Christ according to the flesh, we regard the longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has passed away. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us us, us, <laughs> the ministry of reconciliation. reconciliation. Therefore, we, little church, man of little church, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. There's atonement. <laughs> so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then Paul says this. He, he says, working together with him, with God, then we appeal to you not to re- we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For and then Paul says, for he says, in a favorable time, he quotes, quote, in a favorable time I listened to you, in a day, in a day of salvation I have helped you. Paul now is speaking to all of us. And what's he quoting? He's actually quoting Isaiah 49, Mm -hmm. 8. 
after 49.6. So Paul's now saying to all of us, we are that fulfillment. We are now the my servants who are following the servant Christ to bring that message to the whole world. We're the ones who are now those my servants. Yes. We are my servants. Every one of us. Yeah. And there's no going back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no going back. So anyway, did that make sense? You just see how this yes. plan of God has been so majestic and coming down to this one person of Christ to fulfill it so now we can all become that. That's our mission. We're still doing that mission that we are now the ones to be, as we're seeing in First John, we are the ones to now be the light to the world. Yep. Are we being that light? Yeah. So. Can you just quickly on that? We'll not see in the flesh, which is to say we will now see in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is, again... How, how do we live in this world? We, we live by the spirit, not by the flesh. Which, yeah, it's a big, big step, right? Yeah, yeah. Very convicting. <laughs> very, very convicting. But then you look around, you can't, you can't escape it. It's everywhere. Yeah. Right? That has to be, as you were saying, very proactive. And this, and this week, we're going to go out and we're going to meet the nations. We're going to be people who don't know Christ. And we're to be that light. To bring about that ministry of reconciliation. 